Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel, Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Day 434 brings us back to 2 Samuel and the fruit, the bitter fruit that David allowed to be sown and to be cultivated is now coming into its full fruition and David is going to have to eat of it and it is going to be bitter indeed as Absalom is going to rebel against David in a great conspiracy to overthrow David from being king. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we go into this dark and troubling chapter in David's life. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are full of wisdom and grace. We thank you that you give us the words of life and that you give us truth to guide us. Would you lead us according to your truth today? Would your Holy Spirit please write your word on our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second <clears throat> Samuel chapter 15. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judged in the land, then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at Geshur and Aram, saying, If the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer to the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifice, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. And a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly, and bring down ruin on us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out, and all his household after him. And the king left ten concubines to keep the house. And the king went out, and all the people after him, and they halted at the last house. 
and all his servants passed by him. And all the Carathites and all the Pelathites and all the six hundred Gittites who had followed him from Gath passed on before the king. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why do you also go with me? Go back and stay with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday, and shall I today make you wander about with me, since I go I know not where? Go back and take your brothers with you, and may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. But Ittai answered the king, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, whatever my lord the king, wherever the lord my king shall be, whether for life or for death, there also will your servant be. And David said to Ittai, Go then, pass on. So Ittai the Gittite passed on with all his men and all the little ones who were with him, and all the land wept aloud as all the people passed by, and the king crossed the brook Kidron, and all the people passed by on toward the wilderness. And Abiathar came up, and behold, Zadok also came with all the Levites, bearing the ark of the covenant of God, and they set down the ark of God until all the people had passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your two sons, Ahimaz your son and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadak and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up, weeping as they went. And it was told David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. While David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so now I will be your servant. Then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Ahimaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send to me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Well, this has been years in the making. It's been long simmering ever since Amnon violated Tamar and David did nothing about it. Absalom sat on that bitterness for years. He killed Amnon. David did nothing about that, nothing to stop 
Absalom nothing to send him into exile and also nothing to like truly be reconciled to him. So kind of wrestling with uh, chapter 14 a couple of days ago as I was reading it and I was listening to Mike's teaching. I thought, what what is the right thing that David should have done in that whole situation? I mean, it's, it's hard to even know sometimes when Amnon violated Tamar, you know, the law would say that Amnon should be put to death. Uh, that not having been done, Absalom taking it into his own hands to avenge his sister's death without the right administration of justice, that really is murder. And the law would call for a murderer to be put to death. But perhaps because there's a justifying circumstance, maybe something else should have happened. Maybe, maybe Absalom should have been left in exile for life or until David was gone and the next king took the throne. I don't know. But one thing that struck me as I was reflecting on the difficult choices that David was making in that, that whole situation with Amnon and Tamar and Absalom is one thing was glaringly missing. David did not seek the Lord. He didn't seek the Lord. He didn't ask the high priests for the Urim and Thummim. He didn't ask for prayer. He didn't seek counsel from the prophets. He didn't seek the Lord. And largely, he did nothing. Largely, he chose to sit and to sort of feel bad over what happened and do nothing. And as the king, he is the chief judge and the chief law enforcement officer in Israel. And that was not a good choice. Not seeking the Lord and not upholding the law in any meaningful way were bad choices. And now the fruit comes. Absalom is, 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 is striking at the point of David's weakness. And that is that David is not being a faithful administrator of the law. People are coming for their grievances to be heard by the king. And Absalom intervenes and misdirects them. Now, probably if they had gotten to see the king, they would have gotten resolution, maybe. But Absalom intervenes because Absalom absolutely does not trust his father to handle issues of justice and law and judging. So that's why he strikes him at this point of what he perceives to be David's greatest weakness and what has been, certainly in his own family life, David's greatest weakness. So four years of this go by before Absalom finally has thought, well, I've probably talked to enough people, probably persuaded enough important and influential people in Israel that I would make us such a better judge than my father and that I'm concerned to uphold justice and my father isn't, that now is the time that I can strike. And so he goes to Hebron because Hebron is where David was anointed king. It's, uh, it's, it's the place, it's sort of the old capital of Judah. And certainly Absalom has to be made king of Judah before he can be king of all of Israel. So he goes there and he gathers 200 men, but they were told they were in their innocence and knew nothing. So it's hard to even know for sure at this early stage how strong and how unified this conspiracy against David was. Ahithophel, the Gilonite, who was a chief counselor for David, who was probably the most trusted counselor in Israel, he does go over to Absalom, and that is significant. And Absalom does have some followers, and it does say, uh, at the end of verse 6, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. But still, reading this again, thinking, 
how many people are really with Absalom? I mean, there's a lot of people who are still with David. David probably could have sent troops down to Hebron and surrounded it, maybe. They think David was trying to avoid a civil war and this conflict. And the messenger comes and says, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. And David feels like he has to get up and he has to run. He has to flee. And this is the, the consequence of his actions, the bitter fruit that he has sown with seeds of inactivity and passivity. It's come back and now he has to take it. He has to take it. He does leave some people behind in Jerusalem. These people are going to play a key role. Uh, the, the two, the two uh, main priests, Abiathar and, and Zadok, they are there as loyal to David. And also Hushai, who is David's counselor, is there. And so they're going to be very key in being involved in, in uh, standing for David's side. But this story is yet unfolding and it will continue tomorrow. Uh, as I think Mike's going to be back tomorrow to take us into chapter 16 as the story continues. But what what do we do here? How, how do we make sense of this? And, and where do we see Jesus in this mess? Well, it, it, it strikes me right here on the screen, you see verse 30. David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot with his head uncovered. David was, David was despised and rejected. And he went out of the city and up onto the Mount of Olives. Jesus, a thousand years later, is going to be in agony in that same place on the Mount of Olives in a garden that would then be called Gethsemane. And he would be weeping. And he would be bearing the reproach of God against his people. He would be, he would be, David's going into a sad exile. David or Jesus was going toward a sad cross. And so um, this this is a little bit of a picture of Christ, just the the, the crossing, the being uh, driven out of Jerusalem and rejected by men, and then going up to the Mount of Olives and, and weeping as he goes. Uh, th- these are some key movements that we see uh, that are anticipating movements in the life of Jesus. Jesus comes from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, but then he goes back out to the Mount of Olives to, to be in agony uh, in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that, in that uh, last night, he goes from the upper room, which would have been in, in Jerusalem, out to the Mount of Olives. And then he's going to go back. And then he's going to go back out to the Mount of Olives with his disciples when he leaves them uh, in, in, the, in the ascension. So this is an important movement of David here at a time when he is, by being despised and rejected by men, he is anticipating Christ and his being put out of the city, uh, which is where Jesus goes to be to be crucified and to bear our sins. We also can apply from this passage to our lives uh, just the idea that you need to trust in the Lord even when bad things are happening to you. So when they bring out the Ark of God, David says to carry the Ark of God back into the city. And then he says this very touching thing, Uh, in verses 25 and 26, if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am, let him do to me what seems good to him. David is trusting in the Lord, no matter what may come, and he doesn't know what's going to come. David doesn't have the answers. He's not glibly confident, say, oh, take the ark back. I'll be back soon. 
I mean, God's going to get me through this. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what God has ordained. God hasn't told him. And that's where we live our lives, isn't it? We, there's so much about life we don't know. Of course, we're not in exile from being king and being chased down by a conspiracy. But we're often in places in life where we're in uncertainty and we don't know what's coming. And we have to trust the Lord and say, let him do what seems good to him. And that's where Jesus settled too. He was in that garden of Gethsemane on Mount Olives and he said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our Savior, the greater Son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went on that Mount of Olives and wrestled in agony, sweating drops of blood for us and for our salvation, who took the bitter cup that should have been ours, but that was appointed to him to suffer in our place. Thank you that through him, all the bitterness of sin and death has been dealt with, has been turned away, and we receive your favor. We thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll be continuing in Second Samuel 16 tomorrow. Mike will be back to do that teaching, Lord willing, and hope you're going to be there for that, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.